0: is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Fox Rugby Podcast. My name's Sam Worthington. I am a rugby writer for foxsports.com.au. Uh, no Nick McCardle this week, but we uh, joined live and exclusive from Christy Doran, who's uh, on the low Beat in Tokyo this week, having a great time, and also... Podcast Phil, podcast producer Phil Pryor, um, is working the working the levels over there, and he might chime in with a few pills of wisdom as well. But Christy, how's Tokyo, mate? What's been going on?
1: Konnichiwa, Samuel. Uh, nice to talk to you, mate. Nice to join you, Phil, too. Uh, look, I don't know. Hopefully, our listeners haven't been um, holding out for this live and exclusive content from from me over here. But uh, it's good to be over in Tokyo, and it's it's a, it's a hustling and bustling city. Uh, the weather is turning it on at the moment and uh, Wallaby's team naming All Blacks team naming is, is going to come out shortly so we're, we're all looking forward to that.
0: Yes indeed. So we'll preface our, our podcast um, with the, the point that the teams haven't been named yet So we'll have to be careful there And if we make any uh, make any bad selection calls Then that's on us But yeah, before we get into the rugby, mate uh, You've actually been in Japan About a what, week and a half now, haven't you? And you, you uh, were a very special guest On behalf of the Japanese Tourism Board Having having a look at World Cup preparations And, and various things last week Yeah, it
1: was It was great, uh, great fun We, we uh, Nine of us, I think, from around the world head up to the Awati Prefecture, which is in the northeast of the main island, and uh, spent a, a bit of time around Kamashi, which is uh, the, the city that was devastated by the 2011 earthquake and, and tsunami. Um, and it was a real privilege to, to be up there. And, and Kamashi is going to, in fact, be the smallest city to ever host a, a significant sporting event. Um, and they'll host two World Cup matches next year, uh, with with Fiji and Uruguay being... Uh, probably the bigger one and, and with those two nations being in our well-cut pool uh, perhaps might have some significance for, from an Australian audience too but it was great to be up there and, and heard some some amazing stories uh, from from those that really had their lives flipped up and and down in, in uh, and over in a space of 12 hours where the tsunami, this great pool of water it wasn't so much of a, a tidal wave where it had a real point or a real peak um, and came crashing down but really kind of got sucked in and then spat out like a like a vacuum mine and uh, look it it went 15 meters high in various places uh, hundreds of deaths and 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 we we spoke to, to we had one man who's the Kamashi sea waves who's the the rugby side got party played for back in 2000. And eleven, and and in and around those couple of years, and uh, and he unfortunately lost both his parents, um, his wife, one of his children in in the tsunami, and and he's played a key role in in uh, kind of getting the Kamashi community on side in terms of having a uh, World Cup fixtures there because they've actually prioritised rebuilding a state or building a stadium um, that can have and fit people and welcome tourists into it uh, over just basic accommodations. There's still a lot of people living in in temporary housing. Uh, And and when this occurred, which was just a couple of years ago, when when Kamashi put their hand up to to host games, it kind of divided the community originally. Um, But more and more, they've seen that this is a great way of hope by building um, the foundations for a better Kamashi going forward.
0: Yeah, good stuff and look forward to reading your article at some stage as well. You uh, you will get the laptop and, and, and write an article about your experiences at some stage, we hope.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and looking forward to that because there's lots of stories to be told. It is a beautiful uh, venue here at the Kamashi uh, Memorial uh, Stadium there. It's, it's quite close to the water, really, on it, and you've got hilltops around. It's beautiful... Uh, oh, grass. It's a lovely area. It's a fishing village. It was known for its steel um, back in the industrial age for for Japan, which occurred much later than it did in in the UK. But um, it really exploded and and they uh, became a real industrial, um, the heartland of of Japan in in 15 years or so. They managed to to really pull things together. Um, So it's a fascinating city but the, the entire Iwade area is, is, is lovely. There's lots of things to do and looking forward to, yeah, riding. And, and um, I would encourage Australians particularly that Tokyo is a frantic city where there's millions here, there's the, the bright flashing lights, but to get up to the countryside and, and to the beautiful coastline up there where the seafood is fantastic, uh, it'd be a good opportunity if you if you do have a spare few days, bullet train, a couple of hours, pretty easy to get up there.
0: Yeah, sensational. When I was in Japan uh, a few months ago, there was quite a lot of uh, visibility building around the Olympics, of course, in, in 2020. But not a lot, it must be said, uh, with the Rugby World Cup. Um, what about this week? Obviously, with the rugby on in Tokyo, there would be there be a bit about. But it's a massive metropolis. Just how sort of visible has has uh, this this week been um, rugby-wise, and with the World Cup, and of course, Japan play the All Blacks uh, next week as well.
1: Yeah, they do. There's been a few posters around and right right throughout the country that I've seen. Um, not so much looking at, at this weekend's birth, slow fixture, but the, the World Cup um, and, and Rob Simmons is in quite a few of them in the line out jostling um, right. Sam Whitelock from, from memory in quite a few of them. But They're two of look, our podcast latest...
0: favourites, I think, Simmons and Whitelock, aren't
1: yeah. they? <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. At least one of them anyway. Um, but but uh, look... This week, um, yesterday, we were at the ASIC store um, in the heart of of Tokyo, and and uh, four of the Wallabies, Bernard Foley, uh, Alan Al-Autoa, um Israel Folau, um, and Adam Coleman were there, and and there were there were hundreds of people waiting to meet the Wallabies. Uh, a line that was running probably a hundred metres or so long down the the heart of the, the shopping alleys here. Um, so there are people that are aware of it. I think I've seen a few more um, Anglo-Saxon people of of late over the last couple of days as we get closer to the Yokohama test. Um, but oh, look, its it, it, it certainly you can see there's more visibility and more exposure and advertising for, for the Olympics in, in 2020.
0: Yeah, that's understandable. I'm sure they'll do a great job with the World Cup. Like you say, not the the biggest, most mainstream sport, but a very fanatical um, rugby supporter base over there. And, yeah, it'll be a, a terrific World Cup and a great time zone, of course, for Australian viewers as well. So, look, you've uh, yeah. we'll, we'll switch into, into well, Wallabies it, mode. It,
1: it's, it, yeah, we, we're on a second. It is interesting, though. A lot of people are aware that the World Cup is going to be mm. here next year. And, and um, rugby... I think almost surprisingly for me I know that looking at the, the last World Cup and the audience and the numbers that were watching some of those Japanese games to up to 20 million um, they they do get around their rugby um, and you, you say you're a rugby journalist and and uh, you cover the game in a year for the wallabies and, and and they get very excited and um, so it's certainly they're certainly aware uh, but it, it, it's probably just not quite an um, exposed Exposed like some of the other sports are over here.
0: Yeah, indeed. Have you been to a baseball game yet, mate?
1: I haven't. I think it's okay. final series at the moment, right. and uh, tickets they're selling like hotcakes. So, yep. unfortunately, not. But we've, yeah, we've been treated pretty well here, and um, and it's easy to get around. That's for sure with the with the metro system. Um, Absolutely. Once you get your hand uh, your head around it, it's it's pretty simple and it works like clockwork.
0: Yeah, you no, know, terrific place. All right. Well, you've been around the Wallabies camp, uh, this week. Um, I guess it's hard to get a, a read on them, um, as much as ever, isn't it? Uh, we're, we're going off the back of Salter and that just crazy, crazy game. Um, a few injury concerns in, in Wallabies camp as well. But yeah, how, how are they looking, mate? Um, what's, what's the goss from within the camp? I think, uh,
1: they're, they're all, all the players, <clears throat> all the players that we've interviewed so far this week is i think they're aware that consistency is a real issue um and it and it won't shock anyone because they're up and down like a yo-yo but um they're they're, they're every every post conference has been we've got to we've got to be defensively stronger our consistency's got to be there we've got to be upbeat for the entire 80 minutes. We can't just let it slip after 40 because it, it's easy to, to, to look back and think the Wallabies have been smashed against the All Blacks twice, but at half time they left in Sydney and at halftime a week later in Eden Park, they were only a try behind after conceding in the in the last minute or so. So it, it's really about being able to, to, to put the two halves together, and, and Will Genia said, "Look, it's not because of fitness." Um, I asked him, I pressed him on that because it seems like, look, if you're in it for t- the first two halves, um, what's what's the difference in the second half? Oh, I'm not quite sure if they've been able to put their head and finger to to it, but I think it's it's really about um, they just think it's about being totally aware. For the moment, every second, and and, and they're probably demanding greater standards. So I was at training on Tuesday, and then Foley drops a ball uh, a little bit similarly to, to Dane Haylet-Petty did when he was when in Sydney, I think it was, or, or a week later, where he dropped the ball on the 10-metre line, and Bowden Barrett picked it up and, and ran 40 metres to score. And and, and uh, similar incident occurred on, on Tuesday with Foley dropping the ball, and he was on the ground slamming his fist into the turf on five occasions and let out a couple of expletives too. So they're, they're I think, up for it. There's certainly not going to be a, a dead rubber as such. Um, the feeling around is is pretty good. They're, they're excited to be in, a, in another country. And um, let's not forget that the last time that the Wallabies and the All Blacks kind of played in a non-World Cup overseas, what was it, 2000 and and 10 in, in, in Hong Kong and managed to just secure a famous victory. So, uh, look, a lot to play for, and they're aware of it.
0: Yeah, and, uh, of course, they won the corresponding fixture last year in Brisbane, didn't they? The... The dead rubber, Um yeah, I don't don't they really did. like that term because it, it'll be a, a fiery test match uh, as always. But I'm sure they'll they'll draw on that. But equally, the All Blacks are kind of using that as motivation, aren't they? They realise uh, they they let that one slip a little bit. They weren't completely switched on, and um, the Wallabies were wearing their indigenous jersey for the first time, and they were super up for it. So I, I guess that's the the backdrop to this. The the All Blacks uh, look like they're going to roll out a full strength team, and they're, they're pretty keen to to keep the foot on the throat of the Wallabies, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are, and here look, we're we're less than a year out until the World Cup. Eleven months out until the World Cup, so both sides are, are acutely aware that uh, a win here just continues the positive vibes, and and we, we can remember looking back to the Australian run in, in twenty fifteen where they basically were they spent what three or four matches at, uh, at Twickenham. They played Wales, what at Twickenham. They played England at Twickenham um and they then they've had the quarterfinal the semi-final, and the final at twickenham too so to be able to make something a home and feel comfortable where you're around both uh, the the wallabies and the all blacks this is clearly why the all blacks have, have brought the game here is to, to get exposed to japanese culture um and the way of life over here with We've we've heard it a few times recently. The uh, the, the whole tattoo that whole tattoo kind of controversy. It's not so much a controversy, but it, more that it's 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 culturally insensitive to, to perhaps be wearing and sporting tattoos. And we, we've had a couple of different responses. Samu Karevi on on Tuesday said that that the uh, general public was um, was was uh, more interested in how big the, the Wallabies playing group is, as as opposed to the uh, the, the tattoos, and, and um, weren't really interested and, and didn't mind having to cover up and pull, but they were a bit more concerned about the small towels they were given in saunas, um, but, <laughs> which, yeah. which, which was rather rather amusing. And, um, and Izzy Falau yesterday revealed that, uh, look, he wishes that he didn't get tattoos in the first place, but was happy to cover them up in, in public, albeit, um, ironically, perhaps he was only wearing a shirt, which, which didn't cover up. All his uh, his tattoos, but he's, he's happy to, to, to cover them up, even in a play, uh in a test match, um, he said. So, yeah, a big, big match and um, lots to look forward to, and, and a few couple of selection uh, people returning, Jack Dempsey returning for the Wallabies um, in the squad anyway. And I think we'll probably see him featured perhaps on the bench, and, and the same with Karevi too.
0: Yeah, back to the small towels, I think that's a, a good talking point. Um they're they extremely small even for me, so I've got a lot of sympathy for for Big Samu. They must be pretty pretty small on a bloke like Samu. How are you going with the, the Yon and the in the bathing facilities, Christy?
1: Oh I've never been uh well, I've I've always been one to, to take off take off the kit when I have to. Um but uh look it's good it's good fun and they're, they're quite um, onsens here. Have been around for for a long, long time, and um, it's it's interesting looking at a couple of interesting experiences where we were told when we were up in Awaite, which which is there's some beautiful onsens up there, that uh, that that the, the the men and the women typically share the same onsen, and uh, quite a few of us thought okay this is interesting um we've only just met a bunch of the other journalists but let's see what happens and and uh more often than not actually they are they are separated and i don't know if that was lost in translation or if they were just pulling our legs but um generally speaking the 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 men and the women bathed uh separately
0: yes indeed so just to clarify did you end up in the in nude in the same room as, as the the females or not
1: uh, no, no. There was one or two amusing stories coming out of it. I don't know if I'm going to bring them <laughs> to, to life. He definitely would have been but, up for uh, it. That's for sure. <laughs> f- fair to say that there was a there was a there was a couple of um, couple of couple of close guys that um, oh, a New Zealand chap and an English chap that were, were really good blokes over here. And uh, look, yeah, anyone that's played sport nudity uh, often occurs. <laughs>
0: Intriguing. Well, you've gone right off top off topic,
2: mate. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure why you've gone down that path, but it looks like Phil's got something to yeah. say. Yeah, Christy, I, I was in- interested uh, with what you were saying about tattoos over there. Can you clarify that all are all tattoos culturally insensitive in Japan, or or what's the go there?
1: I think it's it's a link between uh, the Japanese mafia over here, um, where yeah, it's 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 just. Kind of culturally insensitive. It's not they've not been told they can't, you know, sh- show tattoos, but just more that it's um, it's a sign of respect if you do. So show a bit um, of decorum. Mm. Indeed, indeed.
0: Yeah, interesting. All right, and you've mentioned uh, Izzy Folau there, mate. He's really been dominating the headlines uh, this week, hasn't he? For a variety of reasons. Um, but firstly, we'll just touch on the the positional. Stuff he's going to have his first run at outside centre, um, because of that injury to Reese Hodge. Samu Karivi, uh, who you also mentioned, he's probably going to be on the bench. He's not not quite right. He's had a couple of runs in Byron Bay, but yeah, this is going to be a huge task for Izzy, isn't it? But, but he sounds uh, pretty upbeat and, and looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, we've got to remember this is a guy who's played sixty nine tests already for for Australia, and he, he played in the centres for a long period for the Melbourne Storm back in the and the and the Brisbane Broncos back in the NRL. A number of years ago will be it, but, but 16 matches too for the Waratahs between 2016 and 2017 at outside centre. So it's not like he's um, not played in the in the position. Rhys Hodge, I think, probably had played less at outside the centre um, uh, when he was selected there for, for Bledisloe 1. Um, I think he, he's looking forward to getting his hands on the ball and I think he'll be used... Uh, often from set-piece, particularly of scrums and and line-out. And hopefully the Wallabies can secure a bit more line-out ball because that's really been one of their biggest shortcomings uh, throughout the rugby championship anyway. So, yeah, I think Kukrevi said that uh, he backed himself to get through 30 minutes. So it would be very surprising if he was um, selected to start. So, therefore, it looks like he'd be on the bench and there's no real other outside centre alternative Stefan Ivalu could potentially fill the role and he's played there once or twice for the Rebels and a bit more for the Melbourne Rising. But he's a guy that hasn't played a Test match this year um, and it's a big step up, as we know, from the NRC to, to Test match footy, particularly against the All Blacks.
0: Yeah, we've got some good stories with guys coming back from long-term injuries. Uh, Jack Dempsey, of course, that horror, horror injury um, tore the hamstring right off the bone and has been out for a full year. And, and Dane Coles uh, and the New Zealand team as well expected to come back after uh, a long stint out with concussion, and then, and then he did his knee as well. So, yeah, a lot of interest to see to see how those guys go.
1: Yeah, and, and we spoke to Jack Dempsey on Monday, and he revealed that, um, look, it clearly would have been a, a tough tough 11 months for him to be sitting on the sidelines after starring in that third Fetterslo last year. He was the man of the match and and didn't play another minute. Or, he, he played half a game against the, the Barbarians a week later and, and then didn't play another game for, for 10, 11 months, um, ripping tendons off, off the hamstring and um, had a number of setbacks throughout that period. And, and he revealed that John Eels had, hmm. uh, of course, Australia is one of Australia's greatest captains, um, Got in touch with him a number of times, and and he didn't. He thought it was a joke when he heard his voicemail saying it was John was He's just wishing to find out how he is, and, and and Jack didn't really know how he got his number, and um, and thought it, he was taking the piss. But um, it's a very distinctive yeah, so voice, though, a, isn't it, Aussie? Nice,
0: you'd, you'd you'd have to be a very good impersonator is, to pull it is off very a, a good deal. Yeah.
1: Indeed, indeed. Um, so that was a nice story. But you're right, Dane Coles, it's good to see him back. Yeah, a world-class hooker. and um, It just makes New Zealand even more of a threat, doesn't it? Um, you being a Wellington Hurricane supporter, you'd be pleased to see him back out there too.
0: Absolutely, mate. Yeah, all going well. He'll get through that. And, uh, yeah, he's got a good good fight on his hand with Cody Taylor for that hooking spot. Um, touching on some other points of interest this week, Sakopi Kepu playing his 100th. Test, he's just a quiet achiever, isn't he, Sakopo? He's uh, been on the podcast, a friend of the the podcast, and just a lovely, gentle giant, really. And and, uh, the the way that he sort of handled, you know, nurturing uh, Taniello Tupo and Alan Alan Alalatoa coming through, um, you know, instead of being niggly about them taking his his starting spot, he he just seems like a great, uh, quiet leader within that group.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Well, although... Just, just listening to him on Monday, I think he 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 really wants to um, get back in that starting side, and I suppose that's that's the hallmark of any player and any good player is that they always want to be at the top and, and pressing for the starting fifteen side. But he acknowledges how 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 impressive these young props are coming through, like Scott Scottsio, Alan Oatoa, twenty four. Taniella Tupo, 22, and he said that those three guys had the potential to, to be Australia's best props of the, of the last, you know, 15, 20, 20 years, and it's it's an exciting time for the Wallabies and, and Toa, of course, penning an, another deal which will keep him. He was signed for 2019, so he was only signed, re-signing and, and adding an additional four years, not five years, which was first reported, but Exciting times, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not Alan Alatoa starts in front of Tania Tupo. Um, look, judging from, from Alan Alatoa's and, and Sakopi Kefu's ep- efforts in the second half against Argentina, they didn't go unnoticed. and um, I think you'll see at least one of them start with perhaps Tupo dropping back to the bench, but uh, and, and, and Falau Fianga looking to, to start at hooker uh, with, with Tolu Latu. I think it are oh, coming off the bench too. So uh, the Wallabies forward pack in, in their front row is, is looking pretty sound and, and Kepu has played a huge part, as you said, and, and it's nice to see he's a gentle giant and um, uh, 100 tests, first prop in Australian history to, to reach the milestone. So a huge, huge effort from him.
2: Christy, you mentioned that second half against Argentina just there. I I know probably you can't really ride the momentum of something that happened, what, almost three weeks ago, I suppose. But uh, can they take confidence from their attacking efforts in that second half through to this test match, or is it more of a write-off? Because while uh, certain players certainly did spark uh, Australia's attack in that game, uh, the defence was pretty average um, from the Argentinians as well. And you know that it's going to be a lot stauncher against this Kiwis outfit.
1: Yeah, it it certainly will. But what they can take confidence in is that in the second half, they were more patient with the ball. The forwards really got over the advantage line and then that allowed a bit more space out wide. So they can they can now take that second-half, bank it, and realise that's what we've got to be doing each week. Um, and and it, it really was, I suppose, the, the blueprint on how this Wallaby side should play. They love going wide, but as Tim Horan always says, you've got to earn the right to, to do that. And previously, they hadn't been. We had Gonella on the pod not not long ago, and he was saying just that, that they're looking to go wide with every touch. And, and it was pretty easy for, for oppositions to, to realise that. And uh, so I think they can, and they're, they're aware of, of that. They, they know that their defence hasn't been good enough. I think Nathan Gray is walking around the hotel and just take at the moment with a real... Um, he, he, he looks like a man that uh, has copped a fair bit of late and has a point to prove. So I think you'll see um, the, the Wallabies... Uh, I think they'll, they'll, they'll give the All Blacks a good crack, but Brodie Retallick looks like he's going to be turning for the All Blacks and he's just about the most destructive forward in, in world rugby. So the Wallabies are going to have to be on guard for, for him, but, but clearly Bowden Barrett too.
2: I think uh, Glenn Eller's comments on the podcast a few weeks ago as well were, uh, were were spot on as well when when he said when they are sort of uh, looking to, to move a bit wide as soon as players start drifting across field it it just falls apart and I saw that even the first couple of times they had possession in that second half against Argentina as soon as they started straightening up though Sam they they seem to be a different outfit
0: yeah 100% and it also comes back to the headspace that uh, the psychology that we had Michael Checker on um, the last podcast and and I think once the shackles came off, once they were in that massive hole, and they just had to go out and play with, to with, lose. with a bit of abandon, um, we saw what they can do. so I, I really think they have been a little bit uh, stifled, strangled by that, that fear of failure that, that Checker talked about um, this year they've, they've been copying it from all quarters, and you know rightfully so, probably because their performances haven't been good enough, but yeah we, we've seen them at times just just looking really nervous, uh, shelling simple passes, not having the confidence to just immediately make decisions and swing into counter attack or whatever the the case may be so yeah look it's that's the million dollar question whether that Salter second half proves to be a real turning point it was probably the half that saved Checker and others their jobs will that be an actual turning point or or just another false dawn so which which way are you leaning uh, Christy can they can they pull off another upset uh, in Yokohama
1: Oh, look, I think anytime Brodie Retallick comes back into that New Zealand team, they're, they're even better. If you look at the the losses that they've had over the last couple of years, with the exception of the, the the British and Irish Lions in the in the second test last year, they've been when Brody Retallick's been out. So, I think it will be very difficult. Um, which which is not 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 going to um, create any headlines, is it? It's it's the predictable. The, the All Blacks are heavy favourites. Um, I think what with the Wallabies and Wallabies supporters will, will want to see, though, is, is that they are, are fighting the whole time and, and we don't want to be coming out of this questioning the fitness levels again or the, the defence. So, uh, look, even if they... Uh, I, uh, you, you never want to say that a loss will be will be a good thing, but even if they fight harder and get closer, that will give them some confidence, particularly going into this spring tour, which is pretty important for them to have a good summer if they can... Uh, they need to continue this winning run against Wales, who will be their strongest opposition in the World Cup, and and that's just two weeks away. Um, Italy, they should get past, and then another very tough test match against England. So, a good performance, whether or not it's a win or a loss, will certainly set up this next month for the for the Wallabies.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, big tour ahead. And I, I spoke to George Gregan for a piece that I think is on the website at the moment. Um, and, and he just thinks that, you know, normally the spring tour is a chance to experiment, isn't it? To blood new players, um, have a look at, have a look at some fringe players as well. But he said that's got to go out the window now. Even against the likes of Italy, he, he wants them to, to pretty much roll out full strength teams because they, they need to post good wins and then get some real consistency both uh with with selection and with performance so um yeah the the stakes are pretty high as we as we count down to the world cup now christy
1: yeah and i don't know why it's not the case every week where you're picking your best team oh, the australian cricket team went through a period after all the greats retired in, in seven and eight by by giving every joe and blow his he's baggy green and 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 it's it's been a bit of the case with with Michael Checker at the Wallabies in the last not not so much this year but in in 16 and 17 when you've got like guys like Edo and um being handed caps and and I, I think one person that we might see feature in this Spring Tour particularly after the injury from Reese Hodge it could be Jordan Petya might ju- jump on board. Um, after this weekend's NRC final for, for Queensland and country, Tim Horan's been calling for some time. He's a really exciting 17, 18 year old young bloke who only finished school last year. But with the exception of him, I think you've just got to be picking your best side, even against Italy. This is a team that you need, or a country that you want to be putting 30, 40 points on, not scraping over the line like the Wallabies did last year in Brisbane.
0: No, absolutely right, mate. So uh, yeah, five o'clock Saturday Australian time. We're all very excited, Christy. I think you've got to get up, get off to the team naming uh, press conference soon. But any other any other thoughts before you go?
1: Uh look, it, tune in, and this is going to be a, a great test match. And and uh, look, looking forward to seeing a couple of these guys return, like Jack Dempsey here, and 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 Kepu's hundredth milestones, and good to see blokes coming back after long periods out of the game, and. Dempsey, like going back to him, he said that from a mental point of view, Michael Checker and him had spoken and Dempsey had expressed his, um, mental, his mental health concerns that if, if he didn't go or if he was remaining and not playing enough footy, that, that it would continue to, to wear him down. So you can't take those things lightly. And uh, it was nice to see him open up. So fingers crossed, he has a, a good test match um, and, and looking forward to, to bringing all the, all the coverage, of course, on Fox.
2: Christy, uh, I know slightly different timelines, but can Rugby Australia learn anything from what uh, Japan's doing successfully over there to grow the game?
1: Oh, look, it's that, that's a it's a tough question, certainly to be put on on the spot because we don't <laughs> know the the interests of, of of the Japanese land and and what they're doing at schools. Um, money's they're, they're all company owned um size over here in in the top uh, in the top 14 so uh in the in the top league rather so it, it's not like um the waratahs have a have an infinite supply of money that they can that they can just you know hand out to to players and a lot of them are coming through the university programs and then they get selected out of that to the top companies and, and they're kind of secured for for life Essentially, when they when they join these companies, because they they go on to work um, for the company beyond their playing career too. So it's a completely different structure over here. Um, mm. and, and clearly, there's there's millions here. The, the population is is huge, and uh, I don't know if they quite have the same crowded sporting landscape that Australia does at the moment.
2: And I've got one more question for you, Christy. Don't know if you've gone on record yet with your take on uh, the Honey Badgers' uh, uh, bachelor uh, decision?
1: Oh, I haven't, uh, but it's a good question. I know that the Wallabies have certainly been talking about it a lot over the last couple of months. Um, Please elaborate. Fair, fair, fair play to him. If he, if he didn't, um, if, if someone caught his eye, then, then – uh, why settle for 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 what he doesn't want got on him and um look let's hope that he can that he can become a bit more back involved in rugby because he's a character that people really um appreciate he's a bit of a breath of fresh air at times and it would be nice to be able to to hear his thoughts he's still in good shape and and if he can get back in in rugby being perhaps out of the reality TV spotlight. I think, I think uh, a lot of people would appreciate that, particularly within Australian rugby.
2: Maybe he discovers that rugby is what's really missing in his heart. His true love, I choose rugby, <laughs> comes back. <laughs> Somehow, I don't think so. Christy, very
0: final one before we do let you go, mate. It'd be remiss not to talk about the wonderful uh, Japanese cuisine. What, what have your highlights been, mate? Uh,
1: <clears throat> look, the, 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 the sashimi... And the the miso soups, uh, you're loving it. I know that last night Darren Walton from AOP was was itching to um to have some food after we hit the Golden Guy area, um for a few drinks. And there's some beautiful bars and, and, and this particular area. I think you've been there, Sam too. The three or four. Um, streets where there's, there's tiny bars where you cram yourself in and, and you might only fit three or four or five people in there, but you've just got beers being pulled out of eskies and so forth and um, good fun and lots of different whiskey over here too. Um, I think the, the, the food that I probably least enjoyed was, was my friend Luke, the English chap when we were up north. Decided to get instead of a pack of chips or, or something, uh, a pack of little crabs, um, which which weren't great. I, I must admit they were pretty salty and left an average aftertaste. And I love my seafood, but when they're, um, I don't even know how they were, they were produced. But there was about a hundred of them in this little pack, and they were probably the square maybe a centimeter um, squared and, and tiny little things, but but not great. But you've got to try it over here, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, you never want to pick up uh, crabs on holiday, that's for sure, mate. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with we'll deal with that once you get back and have a chat to HR. But uh, we'll let you go to uh, Wallabies team naming, mate. Looking forward to seeing that news. And you can follow all of Christy's coverage uh, on foxsports.com.au as we count down to the, the big one, 5 p.m. on Saturday. But thanks very much for joining us, Christy, and, and go well. Glad you're having a good time.
1: Thanks, fellas. Good to talk to you.
0: All right, that's uh, all from us on the Fox Rugby podcast. Uh, Tune in next week. We'll recap uh, what happened in Bledisloe 3 and look ahead to the spring tour, which uh, kicks off against Wales. Thanks again.